Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my special guest today is Luke Vanderveer. Luke, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Hey, Kevin, thanks for having me. So we were just chatting offline. So we're we're kind of like on the same like what longitude line that you know just about. We're on the eastern, both of us kind of on the eastern seaboard. But Luke, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Like if you and I were at a networking event, how would you introduce yourself to me? Yes, yes. I know some of those conversations can go very long. My <laughs> my introduction would be, you know, my name is Luke Vanderveer, and I teach nine to fivers how to make an income online, working part time by generating leads for local businesses. That's what I do. So, I mean, that, that sounds kind of generic in, in, in nature. So what specifically, I and mean, let's, let's drill down kind of the next level down. What does that mean? Sure. Um, well, local business owners, as you know, are always in need of leads, life flow of their business. And you can generate them a lot of different ways. So organically with Google, you could pay for, pay for leads, you could do referrals and so forth. I use organic marketing. So teaching people how to leverage Google to generate leads organically for business owners. And by doing that, you can create a very significant passive income. Uh, you were, I'm trying to rewrite your life story here. So like you were flipping burgers at McDonald's and you just had this <laughs> light bulb moment that said, hey, there's gotta be an easier way to do this. So how did you kind of get into this, this whole kind of digital marketing and, and lead generation space? Yeah, I, I entered the corporate world thinking marketing and management slash maybe human resources, one of those might be good for me, right? That's what I did school for. Um, and I was working at General Electric in upstate New York and their corporate human resources um, department doing benefits. And just being in that environment, there are a lot of very smart people. But the thing that I noticed was that everybody was simply just waiting for retirement. Hmm. Nobody really wanted to be there. They were just there because it's, it's a paycheck and, you know, there was a lot of great people around them and they could, you know, learn, educate themselves and so forth. But people kept sharing the same thing over and over where they didn't have time to do the things they wanted to do because they were always stuck at a job. Right. And just being brand new to this and just starting, I'm listening to these people talk about having worked for 35, 40 years in this one position or this one place. And I'm thinking, I, I can't do that. <laughs> There's no way I'm, I'm, I'm two weeks in and I'm already like, I need a way out. So <laughs> I started looking for, uh, for ways to make money. And I did what every uh, younger person at the time would do, I think, which is Google. Sure. Start looking up ways to make money online. And, you know, I, I tried a lot of these different ways from multi-level marketing. I think that's everybody's go-to initially <laughs> to uh, trying Facebook advertising. And I, I sold some stuff on eBay and Amazon. I did affiliate marketing, lots of different things. Um, until I finally heard somebody talking just kind of randomly about um, generating leads for local businesses and that there was so little competition in the small local markets of, mm -hmm. you know, some of the towns and cities we grew up in, where if you could just do anything related to, you know, websites and generating leads online, you'd have a significant leg up and you could make a very serious income. So I started looking into that and stumbled onto search engine optimization, websites, and lead generation using Google. 
And that led me on this path to where I am now. Now, that's not an overnight thing. I mean, it's, it's almost like trying to generate content on a blog that, you know, is leading for, for affiliate, you know, income and stuff like that. So it, it does take time to, to do these things. How long, like, if you were going to start a site tomorrow, you know, plumbers in Poughkeepsie, you know, how long would it take before you would start, you know, maybe seeing some significant return on kind of your initial investment? Right. Yeah. I mean, so standard, I'd say probably 90 days, maybe four months. That's pretty you might though. be able to get it a little faster depending mm-hmm. on, you know, how competitive that niche is or, um, you know, how competitive that city is. Cause those right. two definitely play a major factor. You know, if it's like roofing in New York city, for example, it's yeah. going to take a little while. It's not yeah. going to be the 90 days. <laughs> so if this, what's the, what's kind of the magic sauce. So if, if you're looking at the, the perfect storm of the, you know, the perfect opportunity in this space. Kind of describe that for us. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something I call low-hanging fruit. And I have some criteria that I look for that generally means it's going to be easier for me to get some serious results fast uh, because that's what I want. I want easy wins. I don't want to go up for against roofing New York City and take a year and a half to do it. Right. Um, so some of the things I'm looking for is city population size. So like 50 to... 50,000 to like 400,000. That's a, a good range where there's going to be enough search volume to support most niches, unless it's something that's super, super niche for mm-hmm. lack of a better word. Um, that's usually a good population range. And then I want something that's uh, phone driven, right? So if you think about the two types of people, right, or what people like to do, I would rather have somebody where um, or a search term where the person's going to call me and I go to them. It's very difficult to convert, convince somebody to like leave the comfort of their home or apartment and travel to a store. So right. I want phone driven businesses like contractors, right? You call the plumber, he comes to you. You call the tree service, he comes to you. So those types of businesses, um, big fan of that. So population size, that type of work, um, specific to the search results. If I'm looking at it, you know, when you do a Google search, you'll probably see some ads up at the top, right? People paying mm-hmm. for leads. Yep. You'll see that map section with a few businesses in it. Right. You're going to see the organic search with 10 spots below that. I want to see that the people in the maps don't have a website and they don't have very many reviews. Because when I see that, I know they're not really paying attention to their marketing. Mm-hmm. It might, be, it might be a family business. It might be something where they've just never done it before. They've always worked off referrals. But that tells me they don't have the experience that I have. So I can take over that spot pretty easily. Right. And then if there's inconsistency between the people in the maps and the people in the organic search directly below it, that's another signal. Because normally in really competitive markets, you'll see the same people over and over. Mm-hmm. The number one guy in the maps is the number one guy in the search yep. below it. Yeah. Right. So if that's not like that, that's another kind of chink in the armor that I'm looking for. Um, so those are really the big ones. And then there's just some other things that come into it with niche when you're picking that, like, you know, seasonality, mm-hmm. right? I want to pick something that I'm going to be able to do all year long. If I did, you know, pool construction in upstate New York, right. I can only do it for half the year. Where or if I did it in Florida, right. yeah, yeah. So you can't, can't do that, right? Snow removal. I got it for four months and then my website's useless for the other, mm-hmm. the other months. So um, that plays a big factor too. There's lots of little things like that, but compounded makes a really big difference when you choose. And these are all, they, they sound like they're generally around service businesses. Like, 
you know, somebody's looking for something, they need a tree removed, they need a plumber, they need, you know, they have a need, they reach out, they, they get on Google and boom, you want to be the first name that pops up and, and they're going to go through your site to get to wherever they want to go. But what about just SEO ranking in general? What about just, you know, just marketing that's not necessarily related to those types of things? What about, you know, say a business coach or somebody like that? Or I mean, is that, is that not really, does that not fit in this model? So the model is the industry term for it's rank and rent. You, you build a site, you essentially, instead of like working for a client as an agency where, you know, you charge them a couple thousand bucks, you work on their site and help move them up. In this case, you own the asset. So you're building a website, you take over that valuable real estate on page one of Google. And then when people search it, those leads are coming to you and you will take those leads and send that to a business owner and then charge them for it. So it puts you in control of your income. So I like to choose those types of businesses because they're essential. They're things that are right. always around and it's just a very, it's simple with that type of business, those service businesses. Now you could take the SEO skill set and rank anything. Like I could rank a business coach, mm -hmm. but I really, I really like doing the local stuff just because it's, it's easier to get results faster. And it's also something that you can duplicate over and over. Like if I get great results for, you know, John's tow truck down the street mm -hmm. in Albany, New York, I can go one town over and say, Troy and say, look, I just got this great website built for, you know, John and look how he's crushing it. You want to do the same thing? You're not that far away. I could repeat this for you. Right. Right. That, that, that makes perfect sense. And are, I mean, so it sounds like to me, I think you said between five or between 50 and 400,000. So you're not talking about a town of three to 5,000 that, that they would know every plumber in town, you know, they will know no. that there's, there's only three options. So it's either Larry, Bob, or Curly, you know, it's sure that they're going to call type thing. So it sounds like to me that there has to be kind of a critical mass, you know, in a location, but um, is it better if they're isolated than say maybe a, a suburb of a larger city? I mean, is, does it, do you get that kind of granular when you're really looking for kind of key spots? You know, I really just try to look for the population size and also doing, you know, some of the keyword searches to get an idea of, um, you know, how many people are looking for that specific service in a market. Mm -hmm. Now, you have to know, though, that most tools and stuff that are, whether it's Google's AdWord tool or some of these other paid search tools that you can use to get an idea of how many people are searching, they're only accurate to a degree, right? So sometimes you'll see a city that's like, 500,000 people and it says there's no search volume. And like logically, you know, that's not right <laughs> because a certain percentage of people are going to need whatever the service is. So you have to use some common sense in there too. But um, I do like to use those tools sometimes because you can find some really cool, you know, hidden goals, some hidden mm -hmm. opportunities in there. You might be going through the search terms for a market and you see that you know, one particular keyword has some crazy volume and you're like, that's strange. I'm not really sure why that is. But now I can target that with my website's URL. I could use that for the main keyword I'm going after. I could mm -hmm. write all kinds of content about that and steal all of that traffic that I would have never known even existed had I not done a quick search. Now, do all of your sites, do they also have content built into them as well? Or are, are some of them just simply like links? And I mean, how, how would you, I guess, attract, like if, if I'm, if you, even if you rank number one at Google for plumbers in Poughkeepsie, and I click on that and it's simply just a, a number, I mean, or whatever, maybe it's a, 
landing page that goes to oblivion, you know, type thing. Right, right. What are you leading them to? So I'm, I'm using all of the information that all the competitors have in that market to see what they're offering. And I'm going to turn myself into the, the Wikipedia of whatever that niche is. So, you know, say the first guy offers, you know, plumbing, the other guy does, you know, pipe installation, the next mm -hmm. guy does drain cleaning. I'm going to combine all that and have my website do all of it. Um, and when that person comes to me, you know, they enter their information in the contact form that will automatically email to wherever I want to go, whether it's myself or a business owner that I'm working with. And if they call the phone number, it's actually a tracking phone number. So when they call it, the customer doesn't know the difference and the business owner that picks up doesn't either. But the person who's calling, that number automatically connects to the business owner. It forwards the call without me being involved once it's kind wow. of set up on the back end. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about that. I thought you, you almost had to be the intermediary and you're saying, so in essence, you're selling the leads before they're, they're generated. You're not like somebody calls you and you call Bob and say, Hey, you want to go do a job? I got, you know, for 50 bucks, I can give you this lead. You know, I can give you the name, so to speak. I mean, I, that, that doesn't sound like you've automated <laughs> it very well. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you can do it both ways. Um, you know, I, you can generate leads and then it's probably the easiest way to do it. Honestly, you generate leads in advance and then you just send people some free leads to build up that trust, you know, show that you can actually do this because mm -hmm. all day long, you have to imagine those business owners are just getting pounded with phone calls and emails about all these people absolutely telling them, Hey, I can, I can rank your website. I can make you number one. I could do this, but you know, you got to pay me, you know, $20,000 first. Right. And you know, they don't, they don't want to do that because what happens if it doesn't work? Right. Right. So if I come in and I say, hey, listen, um, you know, Jane over here and, and John and Michael all need, you know, their, their plumbing done, you know, take these free referrals. The guy's like, wow, this, this is awesome. Who, who are you? How do I pay you to get more of this? Mm -hmm. But um, I think that's probably the easiest way to like run out the site and make a deal. But I mean, at this point, I've, I've done this so many times that I, I kind of have a, a process down that I follow and I'll, right. I'll just call a person up in advance and I'll say, hey, listen. Um, it looks like, you know, you could use some of these leads based on where you're ranking in Google. And if you want more business, I'm about to have a lot of it in like two months. So, uh, I was wondering if I could just refer some people your way in the meantime. And they're like, yeah, sure. Free business. So I will just send stuff their way. And, you know, maybe for the first few calls, I, I have to broker it myself just to build up that relationship. But once mm -hmm. we have that conversation and I say, Hey, I could send this to you you know, automatically without me being involved, they're usually pretty open to it. So how do you determine the, the value of a lead? I mean, one of the easiest ways to do it is use Google. So go to that market, um, type in whatever the niche is, and just look at the cost of an average project. So, you know, I looked at plumbing in Albany, New York recently. I think it came out to like three, 360, 390 was the average job. So if I take that, I, I multiply it out by how many leads I think I can generate. And then I have a good idea of how much value I'm providing the business owner. And then whatever that value is, I'm going to try to set my fee at 10 to 15% of it. Okay. Yeah. That, that, I mean, I, I was wondering, like, is there, is it kind of percentage based or, or whatever? So you're not, you're not, it's not a per lead basis. You're almost charging them kind of a flat rate, like right. a monthly flat rate. Right. Yeah. There's Regardless, lots of ways to do it, but whether I mean, they get one lead or, or a hundred, I mean, or is there like a cap? You, okay. Up to 10, you get free, but if, if it goes over that, we're going to start charging you additional. You could, you could totally do that. I mean, I've, I've done flat fee plus commission. I've done commission only. 
it's really however you want to structure it. But the reason I mostly do flat fees, I would say 95% of my deals, I have like three commission deals and a couple that are like flat fee plus. Mm -hmm. The only reason I do that is when the deals are worth so much money that it doesn't make sense for me just to do flat fee. Right. Like I, I have some home related stuff that I have a commission deal on, um, demolition that I have a commission deal on, and it's because the jobs are worth so much money. So I'd be doing myself a disservice not to have a deal on that. Yeah. But um, the flat fee, I'm a really big fan of just mm -hmm. because it allows me to create a passive income stream. If right. I, you know, have that person set up on a monthly payment and I don't even use contracts, there's not really a need to, I will just have their credit card on file. Their card gets charged every month for whatever the amount is that we determine mm -hmm. um, that we both think is fair. And you know, I don't have to look at it. It's on auto pay, almost like a bill. So I know that money's coming in. And as long as my website keeps producing leads, they're not going to go anywhere because they want those and they right. can make a lot more money than they're paying me. Right. And, and I mean, it's almost like, what is the, the old infomercial guy, you know, set it and forget it. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ron Popeil or whatever. So, I mean, once you have the site ranking, I mean, do you periodically check on this? You make sure that you're still ranking, you know, um, what's, what's kind of the, the, I guess the maintenance on the, on the backside once this, once this gets in motion. Yeah. So there isn't a ton and it's specifically based on the niches and the stuff that we pick. So when you pick that low hanging fruit that I was talking about, the maintenance is way lower than if you try to go for a super competitive market, mm -hmm. which is why I do it, right? Make my life easier. So I have more time to do what I want, go golf and whatever, instead of, you know, messing with websites. Um, but the maintenance really at the moment, it's just looking at a rank tracking software to see where my website shows up. And as long as there's no significant change in that, like it all just disappears or drops right. a page or something, which doesn't happen ever, um, then I, there's not much I have to do. I just kind of sit and I move on to the next project. Has, has Google ever attacked any of these sites? You know, said they, they just like, these just looks like kind of, I'm, I don't, I'm going to use terms I don't understand, but almost like is this black hat is this, you know, are these fake links, these generating fake leads, you know, that type of thing. Right. So the people who get smacked by Google are usually the people who are trying to do some shady manipulation stuff. Right. Um, I don't use any of that. So it's not something I ever have to worry about. My focus is if, if you focus on the 80% the of things that um, Google cares about the most, which is content, that's going to help the customer citations, which is just you know, your name, address, and phone number of the company just out there online that's in, you know, other trusted places that's proving that you belong there. Um, you know, it's building up trust by the company that you keep. And then just having some quality links, um, you know, you generally don't have issues. And I have mm -hmm. a lot of people that I know in this, in this um, industry, and I've been in it for a long time. I've only ever had an issue one time, and it's not even related to the website. It was a Google map listing and it was my own fault for setting it up wrong seven years ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that disappeared and oh, well, I just left it. Now, I mean, do you set up like Google map listings for these sites? I mean, are they, as far as Google maps are concerned, are these businesses in these communities? Yeah. So it's a, it's a really key thing to do. You don't have to, um, the organic search results. So directly below the maps, there's 10 mm -hmm. spots on every right. page, right? And there's, if you think about it, everything somebody could possibly type in, there's a number one spot for that. So it's just choosing the keywords that are worth something. But if you get those spots, that number one spot, there was a study done by Marketing Land, it gets 31% of the traffic. 
Number two spot gets 14. Number three spot gets like 9.5. And then the bottom half of the first page only gets about 4%. So all of the traffic is going to those first three spots and nobody goes past the first page. So you got to have those. Right. And then the map spots are really important because they're optimized for mobile search. Mm-hmm. So 66% of internet searches are done on a phone, yep. right? Phone, tablet, some kind of mobile device. And the maps are the first thing that people see. So ideally you want top spot in the maps or at least one of the three. And then you want one of the top three in the organic search. And if you have that, you got 60 to 70% of the entire traffic for the page for that one word. Now, if this is more of a kind of a pass-through or a conduit, you know, site, so to speak, are there Google reviews? Are there, I mean, do people review your site that says, yeah, you hooked me up with Leroy's plumbing and it worked really well, you know, I, or, and I mean, kind of a related question is like, if I'm looking at a site and it says plumbers in Poughkeepsie versus Joe's plumbing, I'm thinking, is the first like the plumbers association? (laughs) You know, versus is it just kind of a kind of a a aggregation site versus a real business type thing? Yeah. So when when I create the site, I create it like a local business. It's not going to look like any kind of aggregation website. I would make it look essentially like um, a person's DBA almost. That's how I like to treat it. And, um, you know, by doing that, it's a little bit more personal. It feels local. You know, I get a local number for it. And I'm going to connect it to a local provider. Um, and I think that's the best way to do it. And in terms of getting reviews, the review part's the toughest one because you don't have somebody to work with initially. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of sits out there and a lot of people won't call it, at least the map part of it, because you don't have any reviews and they want to see that. They want that social proof. Right. But um, once you have a business you're working with, it's just incentivizing them to get you some reviews. Right. Like you'll you'll be sending them all these leads and you're not charging very much for the amount of value that you're sending. And that conversation essentially looks like, you know, hey, John, I'm sending you all these leads. I'd really love it if you could just have some of those people that you do the work for just leave a review on here. By doing that, that's actually going to get you more calls. Mm -hmm. You'll probably get two to three times more if there's some reviews there. Yeah. And like one of the cool things that I've done to make it easier um, in addition to just trying to incentivize them by like knocking off their monthly fee for the first month and some other things, um, was actually take a like a business card um, website like Vistaprint, go to that, take your Google Maps listing, like the actual link to leave a review, brand that with a URL, put that URL in a business card, and then just say leave a review. So to just say leave a review and a link, and they just hand it to every customer that you know they feel they've done a good job for to make sure that we're going to get some good reviews and it's not going to be the person that wasn't happy. Right. Um, and that's just led to lots and lots of consistent reviews coming in, which just gets more calls. So then it kind of, it's like a self-perpetuating cycle. So if you're, if you're waking up Monday morning, you think, okay, I'm going to start a new site. How long would it be before? I mean, I, I know you're, you're, you've kind of, you know, accelerated the process because I mean, you, you've got, it's like plug and play probably with, if you had to do this tomorrow, but how long would it, would it, I mean, I guess even early days, how long would it have taken you to set up a site in a locale? Had, had I not known how to do all this stuff when I initially started, it took a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I initially learned the SEO skill set from a paid training 
And then I kind of applied it to rank and rent. So a little bit differently than what the training was intended for. Right. The training was intended to, you know, train people how to build an agency, mm-hmm. but I had no interest in that because I wanted a passive income. So I was using it to create my own assets. And it took a good six months working on multiple sites to kind of figure out a consistent process. And it also was a lot of money because I was originally building it as an agency just to get some experience. And I think of the first, the first clients I had, I think I made 26 grand in the first year-ish, um, just working with clients. And I spent 25 of it trying to figure <laughs> out you know, a better process. Right. But once I got that down, now it was just another month or two. I made some tweaks. A bunch of those websites hit the top. And now I just rented them all out quick. And then I had an instant income replacing my full-time job. So I didn't need that anymore. And I left. And now it was a complete game changer. Now you're talking five sites. You're talking 50 sites. You're talking 500 sites. What's what's kind of the, if you, if you, I don't need to see your tax return, but I mean, if you're talking about, <laughs> you know what, we start these sites and they're the, the average one generates five grand a month, you know, or 500 a month or whatever that magic number is. What, what could somebody kind of in this space expect, you know, to make, you know, even if they didn't know really what they were doing <laughs> fairly early. Yeah, sure. I mean, I see most sites go for anywhere from, you know, monthly rental fee of 500 bucks to 5,000. And it heavily depends on the niche you pick and the amount of leads you're generating. So like one of the niches I'm in is yacht rental. That's a five grand site. I could easily charge a lot more for that one because one yacht rental could be five, 10 grand. So, you know, if I send them 30 leads in a month, it's worth well more than that. I just Mm -hmm. won't charge them that much more because I don't want to deal with it. So if I can just charge five grand and let it sit and I don't have to look at it, that's worth more to me than 15 grand a month. And I got to call and check in with them constantly to make sure it's okay. Um, Who are you checking in with? The the business owners? The the business owner to make sure, you know, it's going okay. So I'd say, you know, 500 to, you know, 5,000, a thousand bucks a month, probably being the average for a monthly rental fee. So when you say yacht rental, so is that like, I mean, is that also localized? I mean, are you saying I went to a city that had a harbor that had a lot of yachts and there wasn't a lot of ranking and I've, and I've kind of dominated that market because yeah. I mean, there are a number of yacht rentals in there that you've kind of, you're aggregating in, in, you know, bar Harbor yacht rental site or whatever <laughs> that is. This, uh, How did you know my city? <laughs> so, that particular niche goes against my, my low-hanging fruit guidance, um, just because I've done this long enough where I could rank anything. So it's not going to matter mm-hmm. what the competition is. Um, but for somebody starting out, you gotta, I'd say go lower. But um, that one, Miami specifically, is the one I did. And there's a lot of competition down there. I just saw an opportunity, so I went for it. And that one, that site pulls in a lot of money because it's, it's yacht rental. It's great. Right. It's a brokered thing. And although you have to generate a lot of leads to get a sale, um, simply because people don't realize how much yachts really are to rent, hmm. it's uh, it's a great opportunity a if you can pictures. generate enough. Yeah, yeah, you get a lot of that. So, how many sites could the average person out there manage? I mean, at at say fifteen hundred dollars a month, you're going to have to generate some sites if you want to replace your you know your nine to five day job, especially you know, if you're middle management, you know, somewhere in a small city. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, the sites, uh, like I said, there's not a ton of maintenance other than just managing, like just watching the rankings and making sure nothing Mm -hmm. happens. Um, And in addition to that, you can train VAs like virtual assistants from 
you know, other countries and stuff to do things for you. I typically do a screen recording of what I want them to do. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just pay them. And you can get a very qualified person who essentially would be like, you know, PhD or college educated here. And you'd have to pay 50, $60,000 over there. You know, I might only pay 500 bucks a month and right. I'll have this amazing person right. to do all this work that I don't have to do. So, um, you know, average person could handle 50, 60 or more. I mean, I have well over a hundred sites and the management on that, I don't really have to do much. So what, what is uh, one thing if, as you're thinking back, you know, over, over the time, how long have you been doing this? Six and a half years now. So go back, go back six years or so, you know, you kind of early days. What do you know now that, man, if you would have known six years ago, you'd have thought we wouldn't even be talking. I would, you would be talking to my people to get to me, you know, talking yeah. to my VA or my, you know, admin assistant. It's, it's mindset. I think mindset and knowing the, the right questions to ask, like the, the poor mindset is how much does this cost? And the rich person's mindset is how much is this worth? Mm. Right. So when I was originally trying to figure out what I was going to do, I was initially looking at a coaching program and I was trying to look at all these different options. And of course I could go out to YouTube and I could read all these blogs and try to filter through the information, but how do I know what works and what doesn't like, what do I use to filter that if I don't have any experience with that niche? Right. Right. And then looking, you know, talking to people about uh, the different courses you know, they, they threw out a number of how much it was going to cost. And my initial gut reaction was, Oh, I don't, I don't have that money. But I was thinking to myself on that call, although it's uncomfortable, the growth always happens when you're outside of your comfort zone. So Mm -hmm. you're just going to have to step out of that and kind of change your mindset to, I need to go in that direction. Something has to change. I have to make the change in order to, to move out of whatever, you know, um, situation I'm in now, right. It's the only way out. So I was thinking I either move forward and I, you know, learn this skill set and apply this and make it happen. Or, you know, I go back to a job that I don't really care about where I don't feel like I'm making any kind of impact. That doesn't mean anything to me and I'll be miserable. Right. So when you look at it like that, it's a no brainer. So I went for it and I spent the money and I, I went in with the mindset, I'm going to make this happen. I didn't say try, because if I say I'm going to give it a shot, I'm giving myself an out mm-hmm. right? like that way. If it gets a little tough, I can give up and just be okay with it. I, I don't want that. Right. You want to go in, like, I'm going to make this happen regardless, whatever happens, th- this is happening. I'm making this work and going in with that, you come across challenges and stuff and you'll just push past it. But it all started with mindset. You got to have that so that you don't stop. You keep going. It, it drives all of your actions and it will lead you to success, but you have to come in with that. I, uh, one thing that I've noticed in the, in the time that we've been chatting and, and I've interviewed a lot of people over the last three and a half years. And so I think another aspect of your mindset that, that seems to come through in this, in this, you know, in our interview here is that you really do not seem guarded when I've asked you questions that, you know, could feed your competition, so to speak, could, could equip others to kind of do what you're doing you've been very free with the information. It's, it is like, like, what do they say? An abundance mindset that says, you know what, this is a big place. This is a big place that, that is, has space for a lot of us to do well in. So I, I just really appreciate the fact that, you know, you've kind of approached it that way. And, and, you know, not that I'm trying to draw all this information out of you, but I'm going to ask you some, you know, some pretty personal questions that are very specific to what you do. 
and you've just been great to to respond to those questions and and it you know enough that it would interest people that are listening to maybe you know want to want to learn more about this and I, this is not a, a shameless plug here at the end. I mean, I, I mean, I really appreciate what you've done, but if somebody does want to know more about this, if they want to get in contact with you, if they, you know, where would you direct them that to learn more about this? Yeah. First off, I, I appreciate it. I, um, I believe that people can change their situation, but they have to be the ones to make that difference, right? Nobody's going to pull you out of whatever that situation is. You have to be the one that decides I'm going to make this happen and then take action, right? And, you know, in this case, website rentalcoaching.com is my website. I recorded an entire mini course and also a webinar walking through this whole process. All the things we've talked about tonight and more and giving people a visual of you know, what this process looks like, some of the pros and cons of this type of business model and how to use it to create a passive income. So if they have any interest in any of that, I would say visit websiterentalcoaching.com, you know, check it out, see what you think. And if it turns out that you like what you see and you want to accelerate your progress and get those results a little bit faster, feel free to apply for my coaching program at the end of it. So this, this webinar or this video, is, is this a free link that they can, that they can watch or they can attend? Yep. Yep. Free webinar. Send me the, the link and I'll make sure that that gets in our, in our show notes. Um, I think that would be a, a great, you know, way to, you know, for people to, to kind of dip their feet in there and learn more about this and, and really connect with you as well. So, and I just really appreciate you taking the time and, and uh, really, is there anything that we have not touched on that you'd just like to wrap us up with today? <laughs> We touched on a lot of stuff, um, but uh, I, I think there's always more. <laughs> Nothing's coming to mind initially, though. Um, I would just say, you know, th there's a lot of ways you can make money. And people talk about, you know, finding something you're passionate about. But there's also, you have to decide, right? Sometimes the things you're passionate about aren't going to be the ones that make money, right? Like right. I, I love golf. I can't right. make money playing golf. Right? I was I'm, thinking I'm not that go very crawl. thing. I'm thinking right. he's passionate about golf. I play it all the time. It doesn't make a difference. He does a I'm website not, so he can go play golf. <laughs> I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be Tiger Woods. I'm not going to be on the pro tour making money. So at some point you have to make a decision. Is this something I think I can do? And if you think you can go for it, that's all there well, is to it. What a way to wrap us up. Luke, thank you for, for just sharing so many insights and just kind of your, your whole story and just like kind of the progression through, you know, your journey into this space and really just playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Luke, have a great evening. Hey, thanks. Take care. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.